0: <laughs> no, it wasn't going to happen, <laughs> so thank you, Lord, yeah. No, the beautiful song. I don't know if you knew the words to that song. Yeah. The blood that Jesus shed for me. It's not going to be a special music, no, no, no. No, we'll stop right there. But way back on Calvary, that blood never loses its power. That blood never loses its power. To seek and to save that which was lost. This is why Jesus came. Stretched his hands wide upon a cross to demonstrate the love that he has for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm thankful today. Are you? Are your hearts full of gratitude? I'm thankful for faces that I haven't seen in a while. I'm thankful for the fact that it is Sabbath and that we get to rest, you know? I'm thankful for the fact that God is our creator and that God is our redeemer. And I'm thankful for the fact that on his day we can gather around his word. We're going to start a new sermon series today. It's Mission in Motion. And no, this has nothing to do with a neighborhood walk, (laughs) although that would be good. But it's Mission in Motion. When, When the church is on the move, when the church is doing what it's called to do, what does it look like? What does it feel like and what does it actually take in order for that to happen? Mission in Motion. Today's part 1. Next week it'll be Communion Sabbath, but it'll be integrated into this. So part 2, part 3 and part 4. Do you realize that in just a couple of weeks beginning on Friday, October 4, do you know what's happening that day? Friday night, October 4, we're opening the doors of Bellman Hall and we're hosting what's called Prophecies of Hope. Prophecies of Hope and you'll have a guest speaker from just down the road. No, uh, that'll be me. And, um, but yeah, we're going to be opening up a seminar that I am very, very excited about. I don't know how many of you, how many of you have been to our prophecy series before, whether in part or in whole? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And you may re- you have memories or recollection of, of some very, very powerful moments. Um, I tell you what, these, these prophecies, they may be familiar, but I tell you, When Jesus is lifted up in these prophecies, they never lose their power, okay? And so, you know, I've heard these prophecies since I was young, but it's in recent years that God has really revealed Jesus Christ to me through the prophecies. And so that's what I want to make very, very clear. And we'll talk about that uh, later on when we get to the end of the message. But but I hope you have already marked it out in your calendars. Weekends and Wednesdays. Did you know that? Weekends and Wednesdays, starting October 4. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesdays. All the way through till November 2. Mark it in your calendar. 6 p.m. free supper. Amen. Four nights of the week. You don't have to cook. You can come help cook. (laughs) <laughs> our, our kitchen crew would, would be very appreciative of that. But yeah, you can volunteer in any sort of way that you would like to. We've got lots of different roles. But I tell you what the most important role will be. The most, most important role will be your presence and your personal interaction with those that come. Okay? So mark it out in your calendar. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But today, Mission in Motion Part 1, Through the Roof. Let's bow our heads for prayer. God, we thank you so much that it is Sabbath. And again, we thank you for the opportunity to open up the Bible. Lord, these stories are more than just ink on paper. These have been recorded for our exhortation, instruction, and inspiration. And so, God, we pray that the same Spirit who inspired the Scriptures would now be the same Spirit who transforms us through the Scriptures. Please, God, we want the living bread broken to us. So, would you do what you long to do? Send out your word with power today, we pray. In Jesus' name, let the family say, amen, amen. All right, we're going to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, Mission in Motion, part 1. And as we open up to Mark chapter 2, this may be a familiar story to us, but I want to start looking at this story uh, in terms of what it says or what it depicts about God's church. Now when I say church, I'm not talking about a building, okay? So I'm not looking for pictures or a blueprint, construction, a a physical edifice. No, I'm looking for a picture of God's people, a picture of those who have followed Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we are, Mark chapter 2. When you're there, say amen. Amen. Alright, we're going to start in verses 1 and 2, and we'll just kind of go at a snail's pace. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Let's look for this picture of God's people, the picture of the church. Reading from the New King James, verse 1 says, And again, he, that is Jesus, entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Alright, now just get the picture, start playing out the movie in your mind, Jesus has just come back to Capernaum. In chapter one, he actually began his ministry in that area. In chapter one, he was doing things left and right. He cast out a a demon from a demon-possessed man. Uh, There there were individuals that were so in awe of what God was doing through Jesus. And and people were, were drawn to that. Their crowds were swelling. And you notice that in chapter one, verse 35, And 35 through 37, it looks like people are just clamoring to find Jesus. And Jesus ends up being led by the Spirit to go somewhere else. By the time we come to chapter 2, Jesus comes back and it was heard that Jesus was in the house. And they were excited. They were looking for the power of God and they would not be disappointed. It was heard that he was in the house. Verse 2, immediately... Immediately, Mark loves that word, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Do you see a picture of the church yet? It's a church that's packed out. (laughs) It's a a church that looks like it's celebrating the 100-year anniversary. (laughs) uh, It's a church that, that people want to be at because they know that Jesus is present. They're drawn to Jesus. And actually, if you flip over, just hold your finger there in Mark chapter 2. If you flip over to Luke chapter 5, Luke actually adds an interesting detail here. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Here's a little cross-reference. If you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. When you're there, say, got it. Okay, a few. All right, still turning, still turning. Luke chapter 5. It's the very next book, chapter 5, verse 17. Notice this. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by. So it wasn't just common folk that were drawn to Jesus. Pharisees and teachers of the law, they were looking to really understand and experience what Jesus was talking about. So Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And notice this last sentence, verse 17. And the power of the Lord was present to what? To heal them. So there's electricity in the air, so to speak. The power of the Lord was present to heal. And it's not just talking about curing physical disease. The power of the Lord, it was palpable and tangible. The power of the Lord was present to make people whole. And that's why people were drawn to Jesus. That's a beautiful picture of the church, amen? That's a picture that I would love to be a part of. That's a picture of the church in worship. It's a picture of the church in meditation. But today I want to look at a second picture. A picture of the church in motion. All right, A picture of the church on a mission. So let's go back to Mark chapter 2. Again, Mark chapter 2. We've read verses 1 and 2. Now notice there's another picture of God's people. Mark chapter 2, verse 3, the Bible says, Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who is carried by how many men? Four. four men. Verse 4, And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, Your sins are forgiven you. So there's two pictures here. Here, in verses 1 and 2, we have a picture of the church in meditation, a picture of the church in worship so enthralled by the power of Jesus. They're drawn to the preaching of His Word. They're drawn to His power to heal. And it's a picture that we value. It's a picture that we love. That's why in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. All right, Because this is a picture that we all want to be a part of. But in verses 3 and 4, there's another part of the church that is not just in meditation, but it's a church on a mission. And these men are bringing someone to Jesus. Now, a little sidebar before we get too much in-depth into this second picture. When you see a church or a gathering around Jesus that is packed out, Is that good news or bad news? Good news. Amen. That's a positive thing. That's something that, you know, people uh, like to see, people are encouraged by, uh, people uh, would actually strive for. Now, in this story, however, was it a good thing or a bad thing that it was crowded at the house? Mm. Hmm. Yeah, okay. There were people who were present Okay, that's a good thing. There were people hearing the word of God. But interestingly enough, crowds do not always equate to success. This is a sidebar. We'll get back into the story in just a second. But let me just, just make it very clear. Crowds do not always equate to success. That is the fulfillment of God's mission. So in other words, when you're wondering if God's purpose is being fulfilled, the question shouldn't be how many people were there. The question should be, are people being carried to Jesus? Did you catch it? So crowds do not equate to success, but whether people are being carried to Jesus. That, my friends? Crowds or no crowds. When people are being carried to Jesus, you find the mission of God being fulfilled. All right, let's go. Back to this story. Mark chapter 2, verse 3. And here we see a picture of the church in motion. They're going through the roof. And there are three core realities. We're just going to go at a very, very slow pace through verses 3, 4, and 5 because there are three core realities that really drive this church on the move. If you're taking notes, they all start with the letter F. Three core realities, and the first one is friendship. The first core reality that drives the church in motion is friendship. Notice in verse 3 it says, Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who is carried by four men. You know, the Bible doesn't say that these four men were friends of the paralytic, but you've got to assume that they were bonded together by some sort of connection. Amen? I mean... what what kind of thought process goes through our minds to actually come to the decision that, yes, we're going to take this man to Jesus, right? They had to have had some sort of history with this individual. They had to have known some sort of uh, dynamic or dimension of his need that they were fully aware of it and they realized that there was going to be no other hope unless they brought him to Jesus. So these four men were actually connected to this man in need. So the church that's in motion, The church that's on a mission is driven and held together by genuine bonds of friendship. Question today, how many friends in your friend circle do you know that need Jesus? Hmm. How many are there in your sphere of influence that are paralyzed, whether physically or emotionally and spiritually, paralyzed because they have no idea how to find help? How many of you know an individual or two or more? who needs to be brought to Jesus. Can I just see a hand or two? Yeah? Amen. Now here's the problematic reality that I'll just kind of make uh, known to us, and you probably know this from personal experience, that the longer that you are part of God's church, research actually shows that the longer that you belong to a church, the less you know friends outside the church. That's a problematic reality, right? But that comes with a challenge then, and that challenge is to go ahead and make friends. That challenge is to go, actually, and make disciples, right? The the Great Commission says, uh, therefore, go and make disciples. doesn't mean just sit and wait and wave some signs and hope that everybody comes to you, but go and make disciples. That is, in other words, make friends who trust you so that you can teach them to trust Jesus. Go and make some friends. In fact, I've heard it said like this, that the kingdom advances among friends. The kingdom advances among friends. Do you realize that it's hard to introduce one person to another if you don't know them? <laughs> right? It's, it's fine. Yeah, I know Jesus, but who am I going to introduce him to? Right? It's hard to do that if you haven't made friends. And that's why I'm really impressed by it. Uh, there's a statement that maybe you have memorized also. It's in Ministry of Healing, page 143. It says, Christ's method alone. Do you know this one? This is this is good. Write it down. Okay, Christ's method alone brings true success in reaching the people. Whoa, what is this method? Right here it goes. He mingled with men as one who desired their good. Hmm. He mixed with them. He mingled with them. He he went to where they were. Okay, so he mingled with men as one who desired their good. He met their. He sympathized with their needs. I believe it is. He won their confidence and then bade them follow me. So Jesus was one who modeled this. He went and made friends. The church that's on a mission, the church that's fulfilling God's purpose, is going to make friends too. That's, that's one of the core realities that drives this church. The four men in the story, they had to have been friends with this paralyzed man. They didn't didn't, uh, walk over him. They didn't neglect him. They didn't ignore him. They didn't write him off as though it were an impossible situation. No, they were driven by friendship to bring him to Jesus. There's another kind of connection here that that I would suggest uh, also indicates friendship. And that friendship was not just them to the paralyzed man, but them to each other. Think about this. There's four of them. At some level, they had to have been connected to each other to consider themselves a team that day, right? And so here, uh, it's, it's really demonstrating that the church that's on a mission is friends with each other, that we're actually willing to co-labor together. Are, are you following me? Yes or no? Yeah, do you see that friendship? Now here's, maybe you can resonate with this one too. How many of you are familiar with that paralyzing fear of going by yourself to reach out to somebody? Yeah? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay, now here's the thing. Jesus sent people out two by two, and in this case, maybe it's four by four. So when we're making friends with individuals, if you somehow feel yourself powerless or gripped by fear, maybe God is calling you to team up with another friend, to make friends for Jesus. Are you following that? Yes or no? Yeah? And so here we are. This church that's on a mission is driven by friendship. It's held together by bonds of friendship. The second one, second core reality. It's in verse 4. Verse 4 and 5. The Bible says, And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And notice the first line of verse 5. When Jesus saw their, what's the next word? Faith. Faith. Core reality number two that drives this church. You got friendship number one, faith number two. This church is driven by faith. The four men, this church that's in motion, right? These four men, they they come up, they've got this plan A, they said, okay, we'll put him on a a mat, we'll carry him, two on one side, two on another side, and we'll take him to the house where he is. Plan A is going successful, it's going great, until there's a crowd, boom. What do we do now? This church is so filled with faith, it's a creative faith that finds a way, whether it isn't a way, (laughs) This, this kind of faith isn't, isn't deterred. This kind of faith isn't put off by obstacles, by things failing or their expectations being turned around. This kind of faith is creative, and I would say this kind of faith is courageous, right? How many of you would actually go up on the roof of a house that you yourself could tear up with your own hands? I mean, think about this. It's got to have some sort, of, uh, some sort of weakness to it, but these guys are willing to put their lives on the line. These guys are willing to, to risk it because they think it's worth it for this one salvation. So this kind of faith is creative. This kind of faith is courageous. They're willing to put their back into it, literally. And this kind of faith is conspicuous. That means you can see it. It's visible. You know that faith is not just an intellectual thing, right? Right? Faith is not just what I believe about God, yes or no. Faith is not just a set of doctrines. Faith is not just a set of abstract thinking. But faith is something that we put in action. And for these individuals, their faith was visible. That's why in verse 5, the Bible says, when Jesus saw their what? Their faith. Is your faith visible today? Is your faith being lived out today? Is your faith being put off or is it being courageous enough to go up, even on the roof and through the roof. (laughs) This is a church that's driven by friendship. This is a church that's driven by faith. And here's the last one. It's a church that's driven by forgiveness. A church that's driven by what? Forgiveness. Friendship, faith, forgiveness. Notice this, verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven you now as i was studying this passage i something that kind of struck my own heart is that when i'm thinking about the friends that i have that i want to bring to jesus more often than not this is just kind of my personal confession maybe you resonate with this or not (laughs) but more often than not when i think about my friends needs and what what, what needs to take place in their lives as I want to bring them to Jesus, more often than not, I'm focused on fixing their lives, <laughs> changing their habits, correcting their doctrines or diet or day of worship. But may I submit that the church that's on a mission is first focused on forgiveness. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Their primary objective is not to fix people, but to bring them to the one who offers forgiveness. The very first word out of Jesus' mouth to this individual was what? Do you see it in verse 5? What was the very, very first word? Son. When Jesus sees this individual, obviously he's lame. Obviously he's paralyzed. Obviously he can't move a limb. Otherwise he would have walked in or hopped in on his own, right? But Jesus sees his physical need. But more than that, Jesus sees what he really needs. And he says, son. He sees a soul who feels estranged from the family of God. And he calls him son. The thing that Jesus is most primarily concerned about is restoring individuals to the family of God. And that happens through the forgiving blood of Jesus. Wow. So here we are, church on a mission. Let's bring people to Jesus so he can fix their lives. No, 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 no. Our primary objective is to bring people within the sound of that voice that says, son, daughter, your sins are are forgiven does that mean we ignore the things that need fixing yes or no no obviously not right but it's only from the heart that's been forgiven that God can begin to transform the life all right so first things first essentially first things first and Jesus focuses on forgiveness son daughter your sins are forgiven that's a beautiful promise do you know what forgiveness is by the way Forgiveness, literally in the Greek, forgiveness is sending away. It's releasing, letting go, bidding depart. So when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, listen to what he's saying to your sins. Get out of here. (laughs) Hit the road. Sins no more. He's sending away our debt. He's sending away our guilt. He's sending away, your my shame. So when we focus on forgiveness, we're allowing Jesus to do what he does best, right? Uh, I heard it here in Sabbath school, Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, right? Uh, the Bible says that, that Jesus does not treat us as our sins deserve. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us do you know that jesus has the power to send away your sin oh what's what's interesting is that oftentimes in our human and natural thinking we like to keep those sins right there (laughs) just kind of tagging along right behind us but no jesus says get out of here the bible says in isaiah 44 verse 22 that i have blotted out your transgressions blotted out like a thick cloud your sins you know what it's like to have things blotted out? Maybe you've left a receipt or something, a, a note in your, in your pant pocket when you've thrown it into the laundry and you're looking for that phone number. Where was the? Oh, it was in my pants and they were thrown in the laundry. You read it. You can't read a thing because it's been blotted out. Your sins, when we come to Jesus, have been blotted out. This is a sweet promise. And this is what Jesus offers to do for anyone who comes by faith to him. So this church, this church that's on a mission is is driven by friendship, it's, it's driven by faith, and it's primarily focused on forgiveness. Friendship, faith, forgiveness. How many of you want to be a part of this church that's in motion? Amen? Amen. I tell you what, when this happens, this church that will go through the roof it will go through the roof. <laughs> now, I must say, just as a sidebar here, if we were to look at the rest of this chapter, a church that is on this mission, a church that is so driven by friendship and faith and, and primarily focused on forgiveness, a church that is doing this will sometimes be misunderstood. Because you read the rest of this story in verse 6, notice immediately after forgiveness is offered, it seems as though things are out of order in, in some people's eyes because notice in verse 6 it says, some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, hey, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? So there's, there's criticism that takes place immediately. Oftentimes when we're doing the things that God is calling us to do, in the order that God has called us to do, sometimes it looks as though... We're, uh, you know, doing things somewhat out of order. Sometimes it's misunderstood. You, you offer forgiveness to people, and sometimes that, will, that redemptive act will be seen like it's condoning someone's sin, when in reality it's not. And so these, these individuals are, are, are upset, but praise the Lord, Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And in verse 8 it says, But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? And so he starts connecting the dots. He says, hey, which is easier, for me to tell this man, get up, or for me to say, son, your sins are forgiven? Now the people were connecting in their minds that physical healing, was, or physical, uh, physical abnormalities and physical disease was a result of sin. And so Jesus was fixing things in their mind and says, Look, look, if you don't think I have the power to forgive sins, let me demonstrate to you in the way that you can understand. And he makes the man whole, both in heart and in body. And in verse 12 it says, Immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So it's risky business. (laughs) You might be misunderstood. You might be criticized when you become part of a church on the move. When the mission is in motion, when you're doing things the way God wants you to do them, when you're driven by the things that God himself is driven by, you may be misunderstood, but it's worth the risk. It's worth the risk. So today the simple question is how many of you want to be a part of this church on the move? amen amen maybe another question would simply be will you bring a friend to jesus even now you're probably going through a list of names faces are flashing before your your eyes and you're thinking impossible no i can't wait i tell you what Those individuals that you so dearly love. Those individuals that you long to be neighbors with in heaven. Those individuals that you long to share eternity with. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And so, you know, uh, God is calling us to, to, to strengthen that friendship. God is calling us to strengthen that faith. God is calling us to focus on forgiveness so that we can bring people to Jesus. There are paralyzed hearts all around us. They might be next door. They might be in the bed next to you. There are paralyzed hearts who need to be brought to Jesus. And the reality is we can't do this on our own. And so maybe we need to strengthen our friendships and team up with others to bring them to Jesus. Of those three realities, just just for your own personal introspection and reflection, of those three things, friendship, faith, forgiveness, forgiveness, which of those three do you need strengthening in your own experience? Maybe, maybe you do need to, to emphasize, hey, wait, I don't actually know anybody that's outside the church. Maybe I should go ahead and knock on the door next, you know, next to me and, and introduce myself. Maybe there are friendships that you need to strengthen. Or maybe for you it's faith. Maybe for you it's that faith that says, no, nothing is impossible with God. And you need to exercise that faith and ask God for more faith. Or maybe for you, you, you realize that your focus hasn't been on forgiveness, but it's been on fixing people. Whatever those things that you need strengthening, I would just encourage you to really allow God, give God the green light to strengthen those things in you this week. Okay? Now, I have one very, very specific challenge. Are you ready to hear it? It's a seven-day challenge. That means it's a challenge that, that hopefully next week, Hopefully next week we can hear how people have taken up that challenge. I have here a very, very simple, but small, simple, small, and powerful tool. It's a little postcard. And it says, Prophecies of Hope, coming to Modesto, October 4. It's a little invitation. We've got just enough of these for you and I to have a handful or more To give in personal invitation. Now, uh, earlier this week, Brooke and I were talking. Actually, uh, would you be willing to share this story? Yeah? Yeah? Come on, come on. (laughs) Sorry, I'm putting Brooke on the spot right here. You guys have all met Brooke, right? Maybe some of you haven't. Brooke is our cross trainer. But but earlier this week, I was talking with Brooke. I said, hey, Brooke, we've only ordered 750 of them. Actually, I think by generosity, the company gave us 1,000. But I said, hey, 750, that's not very much. And you were telling me about an experience where you had a church that had ordered many, many more than that. Yeah, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I I worked down in Norwalk, California, down in L.A., um, doing something similar to this. And the church had a series, and they ordered 20,000 flyers. So we have about 1,000. They had 20,000 flyers. And we went out in the community. um, People took stacks of them. We passed them out like mad and passed all of them out door-to-door in businesses and in invitations. And when it actually came time for the series, you want to know the people that came? They were the friends and acquaintances or relatives of people that individually invited them. Yes, we went out in the community, and there were a few that came from the community from just a, a few second invitation. But it was mostly friends and families that went out of their way to be like, hey here's something cool, it's happening, and they came. Amen, amen, thank you for sharing that. And that's just to, I mean, this is a point that's been hammered into my head over and over by other individuals, but the reality is that mass distribution, yes, it gets the word out. Mass distribution, it puts it out in people's faces, but the bulk, the most effective invitation is an invitation between friend to friend. So yes, we do have actually bigger versions of this, 11 by six, being mailed out thousands of them within a 1.75 mile radius of this church but we've got a handful enough for a handful per family enough for a handful per church member to be able to take these out and prayerfully consider who am i going to bring to jesus are you following the question yes or no Yeah? I mean, because this is an opportunity. Obviously, Prophecies of Hope isn't the only place where Jesus can be found. Amen? (laughs) Right? But this is a tool, this is an opportunity that ought not to be passed. So, if you're willing to take this seven-day challenge, in a few moments I'm going to have you raise your hand and our deacons are going to fill your hands with one or two of these, okay? In a few moments. But, let me tell you what this seven-day challenge really entails. If, this is your mission if you so choose, okay? (laughs) The mission is this, for the next seven days, first of all, commit yourself to coming. You know that it's hard to invite someone to a party that you're not going to, right? (laughs) Hey, go to this baby shower. I won't be there. No, okay, that's not going to happen. So you and I need to commit. Obviously, I'll be there, praise the Lord. But you and I, we need to partner together, right? Okay, so first off if you're going to take this seven-day challenge you yourself need to commit to be there and i'll be honest maybe it's you yourself that actually needs to be there primarily but even if it's not even if it's not you're thinking yourself i've i mean i've heard these things it's it's old hat to me hey come not for yourself but for somebody else okay so if you're wanting to do this seven-day challenge First of all, carve it out in your calendar. Weekends and Wednesdays. Six o'clock, free dinner. You don't have to cook for four nights of the week. Praise the Lord. Okay, that's the first step. The second step is this. Pray. Pray about the individuals that God wants to invite through you. And I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, that just because that's the routine and that's just, you know, that's how we're supposed to do things. We're always supposed to pray before we do things. No, I'm saying this because apart from Jesus we can really do nothing. Okay, so pray about who it is that God wants to lead you to. And the third thing is, move forward in faith. Do it, all right? So that's the seven-day challenge, to commit yourself to coming. You don't have to come every night, but bring your friend with you, okay? So commit yourself to coming. Second, pray about who to invite this week. And third, move forward in faith. So, now comes the moment of truth. Our deacons are ready to fill your raised hands if you're so willing to take up this seven-day challenge, all right? So, if you want to take the seven-day challenge, just raise your hand, and we will give you an invitation. Okay, okay, keep them up high. Keep them up long. All right, I can get, Amen, amen. All right. And right now... The instructions are to take one or two per family, okay? Because right now I just want you to focus on one to invite this week. We have all next week to make some invitations too. If you feel so bold enough to take more than one, we'll have a stack of them in the back. We'll have a stack of them in the back. All right, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, keep them up, keep them up. You're doing great. Here, I've got one to give to. All right. We've got some hands. All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a few minutes to make all this happen, okay? So bear patiently. Find a shoulder to put your elbow on if you need to. All right. Larry, we've got some on this side right here. Thank you. All right. Good, good, good. Like I said, maybe maybe you know that you're the one you're the one that needs to be brought to these meetings. And so go ahead, take a postcard, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your bathroom mirror or something so that you can remember to come right here. Oh. All right. Okay. Your hands are still up. Any hands still up? We have three. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. Maybe you're thinking right now. You're already praying over that name or two or three or seventeen. I don't know how many, but you're really wanting to invite. Again, if you if you think that one or two is not sufficient for this week. Then there will be a stack of them there in the back. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for your help. And um, what I want to do right now, what I want to do right now is actually turn to somebody to our right or to our left and pray for each other in bringing others to Jesus. Can we do that together? We'll take three minutes. Find someone to your right or to your left. Pray together for the name that you're thinking about. Pray for friendship, pray for faith. Pray for a heart of forgiveness, all right? On the count of three, one, two, three, go and find a partner to pray with. God is so good, God is so good, God is so good, He's so good to me. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He answers prayer. He's so good to me. Let us pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to be used by you. Thank you for the opportunity to be brought into your presence, not just for our sake, but for someone else's sake too. Lord, there are so many... That, uh, that we love and long for you to have a relationship with them. God, I pray. I pray for those that we have prayed for already. I pray for us as your, your instruments. Um, Lord, please, fill us with love for people. Fill us with compassion. Fill us with faith to actually consider the ways that, that you are going to use us. Lord, I thank you that you are not bound um, by any obstacle. You are not uh, deterred by any, any barrier. So Lord, we just want to give you the green light to use us as you will. God, I thank you in advance uh, for the miracles that we'll be able to testify and share about next Sabbath, for the ways that you actually used us, for the ways that you actually pushed us out of our comfort zone. Lord, I thank you in advance for the friends that are, that are maybe going to call us because the Holy Spirit has been stirring their hearts. God, we just give you permission to work in ways above and beyond all that we could ask or think. Father, I pray for the quality of our friendships, that we would be so filled with love and so filled with with mercy and compassion toward one another and toward each other here at our church so that we can team up together. Thank you, God, that we don't have to go at this alone, but we are always with you, and we're always part of your family. So Father, as we walk out of this house, may we never walk out of your presence. Please fill us with missionary zeal this week. For those of us who are feeling uh, uh, held back still, I pray that you would fill us with faith and confidence in you. Thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, let the family say, Amen.